0: Blog Talk Radio. <laughs>
1: quarters. Security condition three. GQ. Security three, sir. General quarters three. Intruder alert. GQ three. Intruder alert. Come on in and welcome once again, folks, to Madam Perry's salon. I am delighted to have you here, and I want to first of all say thank you for everyone who's been subscribing and downloading and sharing this with your friends because the uh the numbers are telling me that you're really enjoying it which means that I you know I am bringing you the most fabulous people that I can, that I have the pleasure to meet. And uh of course I am your host and cruise director Madam Perry, but you can call me Jennifer Perry. Um and also if you want to subscribe, you know if you're if you're listening live tonight, which is um you'll see on Blog Talk Radio, you'll see the uh hot pink or fuchsia or color uh rectangle that says follow and just click on that if you would. Or you can also subscribe on Apple iTunes, Stitcher, Blueberry, Podcast FM and a few other platforms wherever you choose to enjoy your podcast when you listen to them. Please do. I certainly do appreciate it because it helps me to continue to bring you the fantastic guests that we've had lately, have coming up, and have tonight. Now, let me say, first of all, um, you know, we had Pat Duggins on. Um, He's uh, Edward R. Murray Award-winning news director at the NPR station in Alabama. And he was on a couple of months ago talking about his books on space exploration and trailblazing to Mars because – uh, because he's covered every single one in his career, everything that NASA's done. But now that Elon Musk has launched SpaceX or or uh, Falcon Heavy, as it is now, his new project from his company SpaceX, we're going to have Pat back in soon to talk about that because he had a lot of questions and, and uh, thoughts about that Uh space exploration being done by a private group rather than NASA. So uh, we're going to have him in the talk soon. Also coming up in the next few weeks, we've got uh, Travis Savert, who uh, is a podcaster and author. We also have Bootsy Collins, um, Demond Wilson, who's an actor who you see a lot. You probably first knew him from Sanford and Son as Lamont, but he's never stopped working the man continues to act in uh, movies and television today and he'll be on soon as well as uh jennifer Irwin, author of address the color of the sky which has won three awards last week alone and i am so proud of her i'm happy to have her back but tonight i told you this is going to be a very very magical night uh you know you never know from day to day, who you're going to meet and how they're going to uh, bring something special and something wondrous into your life. And about a year ago, I was asked to, I talked to a friend of mine, Colin Kelly, whom most of you know, about uh, an open mic poetry event he was having at a coffee shop called 200 Peach Tree in downtown Atlanta, which was at the time, uh, the marketing director was my good friend, Susan Vagno, and I hustled all My equipment there to try to do a live feed and heard some fascinating poets. But one of the most impressive people that I heard there is with us and is my special guest tonight. Uh, She's been a writer since childhood and she is an author. She writes about expression, illumination, motivation, uh, awareness, and change. And yet she does so much more. She's a painter. But she also has the ability to help other people, and she enjoys doing this. She helps other people realize their dream. For one thing, she's a seer, and she uses her talents to help coach new and experienced entrepreneurs toward their dream. Her debut book is called Everything But a Smile. So I want you to to meet artist and poet and I'm just going to call her a magical woman because that's how I see her, Candace D. Henry. Candace, welcome to Madame Perry Salon. Thank you so much for being here.
2: Oh, thank you for having me. Such a beautiful welcome.
1: <laughs> well, it's an absolute delight. I don't know if you uh, if you remember that night at 200 Peachtree. Wasn't it the most beautiful place with the real high ceilings and the marble floors?
2: It's lovely. And I do remember that night It was very very special to me I don't know um, If I ever told you But that was the first time That I read those poems in public And oh, It was really? Yes because I'm You know I'm With what I do I'm used to being behind the scenes um, mm-hmm. You know Working for brands Or working for you know individual clients so being out front is not what I'm used to. And so, and there's other reasons why it's, with this, why that was the first time. I was just very, very nervous. This book was very heavy for me. And so being able to even just two poems was such a big deal. I think like once I left, I was walking down peace, crying, just not out of sadness, but just like a big relief, you know?
1: Yeah. I do actually because I think uh, expressing your art and and um and you know, it does definitely come from the soul and from experience and I feel like in a lot of ways you're you're an empath so I if I'm reading you correctly so I feel like you understand and actually feel the feelings of others so and channel that into your poetry or just write it into it so I can definitely see why it's very uh, be very emotional. Mm-hmm. Tell us about how long you've been writing poetry.
2: Um, since I knew what it was. You know, I think that's just part of my gift uh, was just writing. Writing's always been very easy to me. Um, I've, you know, as a kid, I won awards for essays and things like that. I mean, in all forms of writing, not just um, literature. But, you know, I loved writing essays in school and things like that, research, all of that. Um, but it, it's just, for me, it's it's been a, a journey being able to write the way I did for the book um, because I always kind of was worried about um, who's looking. I think as a kid, my mom like read my diary a couple times and it kind of made me kind of gun shy about writing in this way. And so writing for Corporations or for businesses, things like that, that made it easy because someone is always looking over your shoulder and somebody is always um, looking at what you're doing. Even with essays, there's always someone judging what you're doing. But when it comes to that core creative expression, that's something that I had to do a lot of work to be able to to express and do.
1: Yeah, well, a diary is pretty much one of the most personal things you can write, actually. And by the way, I want to stop right here and just say, if you're listening to us live tonight, uh, you can call in. This is uh, this is Wednesday, February the seventh, and seven p.m. Eastern, and so, or a little after seven. So if you're listening live and you want to talk to Candace Henry um, or me, or just join the conversation, the number is six four six seven one six nine nine two two six four six seven one six ninety nine twenty two and we will be happy to have your calls and talk. I think you'd be happy to talk with people, won't you, Candice, that call in? I would love to. All right. Well we have um actually have a call on the line here and this is I see is uh, um Duffy from Adele, Georgia. And uh Duffy, welcome back to Madam Perry's salon. He's certainly a regular uh listener and contributor to Madam Perry salon. Welcome, and I'd uh, love to introduce you to Candace D. Henry.
0: Hello, Candace. This is Duffy.
1: Oh. Hi, Duffy.
0: Hi. Um, I really very much admire your work. I was a poet for many years. I, I don't know if you ever stopped being a poet once you are one um uh, there have certainly been gaps i've been doing other things i was i was an actor for a long time uh, in fact i was acting while i was while i was a poet um, but i'm primarily primarily an actor and um i like to think that i'm creative and someone who does so many things like you uh it's uh you amaze me Uh, I love your art, and uh, your poetry is uh, what I've read of it. I don't have your book yet, but I've read the uh, three or four poems that I've been able to find online, and uh, they're amazing. You are just uh, one of the most soulful people, (laughs) soulful, creative people I've ever seen. And uh, it's really uh, a privilege to get to speak with you.
2: Thank you so much.
0: Mm -hmm. I think uh, your poem, uh, Dying on My Timeline, is really a uh, soul-wrenching, soul-wrenching poem to read. Uh, I think it's so important and it's it expresses something that everyone would like to express but doesn't know how. And it's uh it's uh it's really something that you can read over over and over again and and get the uh get a, a really hurtful but inspiring uh, message from it. Uh, I re- I really love that poem. It's my favorite poem that I've read in a long time.
2: Oh wow! Thank you. Yeah. It was uh, it was I wrote that out of anger and frustration. Yeah. And uh, but not not to bash anyone. I think it was just more to be a mirror for people to uh-huh. see you know what we're going through. In uh, in the world, like this is the first time I think we've witnessed so many murders in our face. And I mean, like with our phone with our computer, real murders, not just on the television not something that's being right. acted out. And then also the reason for the murders. And then, you know, the perspective of, well, these some of them come through the timeline, but some of these things, these are just the ones that are filmed. There are also others that happen that are never filmed. And yeah. um uh-huh. they don't get the attention. So I think the guy, uh, Ronnie Schumpert, he um he died around the same time as Alton Sterling, but Ronnie Schumpert didn't have uh, video to help video, him. Right. You know. His mm-hmm. was a it was a story where he was um pulled over for they just pulled him over. I can't remember why they pulled him over, but um when they found him the dogs had bitten off his testicles and they found like pieces oh. of his teeth where they shouldn't have been. Um, yeah. and he didn't even die right away. He died. It took him a long time to die, but they, it was so, they pretty much tortured him. And when yes. I put the poem out and I did a hashtag for his name and um, Austin Sterling and then Orlando uh, Castillo, just keep in mind, I wrote this, Before I found out about Philando Castile, and I found, when I found out about, how I found out about Philando Castile was I sent the poem and an article I wrote about the poem to a friend of mine, and he said, well, check this out. And then that, I just added his name into it later, but with Ronnie Shumpert, once I shared the article and the poem online, one of his cousins reached out to me on Twitter and said, thank you. Is that because my cousin is not getting oh. the recognition Austin Sterling is getting, and um,
0: oh, wow. it was a lot
2: more tragic. And that's the that's the saddest part about it is technology is exposing so many things, but at the same time, how many people have been murdered for yeah. any reason at all, yeah, and they don't. don't get the okay, recognition they need, mm-hmm. right? You so it made the, it to the uh, papers, but not TV and not internet. Or not videos on the internet. I think. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, so many, so many and are ignored, so you don't, you don't get the dynamics of of the numbers of people, and it, it's every day, and you and you don't hear about them. And your poem brings out that point so uh, blatantly. Uh, mm-hmm. It's uh, it's chilling. It, it's uh, it's a very important poem. I think it's should be in the Atlantic and in the New Yorker and I think uh <laughs> mm-hmm. I think I think it should be spread around as much in po- as mm-hmm. possible and I uh it's in your book, right?
2: It is in my book. Um okay after good. well I, I wish poem. you good
0: luck with I wish you good luck Thank with you. that. I'm certainly gonna spread the word for people to to get it and uh uh like me is a great poem too um uh I and your art I was uh reading your story about uh stone soup uh, soul soup soul mm-hmm. soup uh, do you do you consider yourself a uh, uh Christian scientist i see you you belong to the spiritual uh church in atlanta What's the, uh, you're a member of that church? What is is the name of that church? Spiritual
2: Center? It's called the Spiritual Living Center, and I was a member of a Spiritual Living Center, um, Uh and I was a volunteer That's how that story kind of, I mean, uh, I helped volunteer with marketing, but also um, I was taking classes there. So it's not Uh Christian science. It's, um, it's, uh, hmm. I'm trying to think of the best way to describe it. It's really based (laughs) on spirituality um, Uh and thoughts, the power of thoughts. I think it's the basis of everything at the Spiritual Living Center, um, the personal power.
0: Um, Yes, I see on their website that the roots of what they believe go back as far as, uh, what was his name, uh, Phineas Grimley or something, who uh, inspired... uh, Mary Baker Eddy And uh, I see the roots of some of it In Christian science But of course it's evolved through the years And now it's, It seems like more of a wide-based Spiritualist group But they do uh, But there is a uh, uh, Past life regression Involved in it Which I think uh inspired that piece of art, is that correct?
2: Yeah, what you'll find that places like Spiritual Living Center is a very broad um spectrum of religion. They are very open so you could be of any religion and still come there. Um and they they so what you'll find is people have different experiences spiritually. So when you have a class like the one I went to, um, people have Various experiences and perspectives And that's what makes the classes so great Because you get to hear where the people are coming from And so mm-hmm. I was partnered with a Just to give everybody Background information We I was in a class And we were asked about you know What we thought about death Or what happens when we die And so I was partnered with a lady mm-hmm. um, Who was just lovely And we come from completely different backgrounds You know she's mm-hmm. She's got a different, totally different life experience than I have. And um, she told me that, she said, this is exactly what happens. And I said, well, what is it that you, how do you know? And she said, well, I had this experience, and I had this experience, and this is what I know. So when she was explaining her experience, I, um, I could see it so vividly in my mind. And I was just asking her, does it look like this? And do you see, is it this and is it that? And I'm telling her what I'm <laughs> seeing in my head. And then she said, "Yes, it's exactly that." And I said, "All right." And I went home, and I couldn't rest until I got it. Up, until I painted it, and then I brought it to her. <laughs> um, um, and that yes, seems to uh, be people's mm-hmm. favorite book. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, it's,
0: I think uh, that's part of what an artist does. Um, what do you feel, and how did you uh, how did you experience, and try to give a visual? representation of that uh which was uh, uh masterful uh masterful approach uh to art that uh, there's another thing i admire <laughs> about you uh, okay. i don't wanna i don't wanna get in too much uh, about the uh, about about the center but did um do um I'm sorry. Uh, did you um, do? They have uh, uh, are the they have services on Sunday or something. But are they are they actual worship services or meetings or?
2: Yeah, it, it it will it will feel very much like a like a church, you know. And they always have a live. A live band and they have guest musicians every week. I have not mm-hmm. been to the Spiritual Living Center in a couple of years, so don't quote me on these oh, things. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. But I'm still connected to, I've met some of lifelong friends there. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm still connected somewhat. I just don't attend services.
0: Yeah, you're a, you're a helper. <laughs> uh, that that's what's important, I think. Um,
1: let me ask you another question well, uh, about your again, book, if I you could.
0: I'll throw it off
1: to Jennifer. <laughs> okay, sorry about that, Duffy. Because I know, I know it's so easy to to uh, to have a um if if you'll please pardon the expression, Candace. I don't mean this in a, in a creepy way. I hope it won't sound that way. But it's so easy, Duffy, to have a a fan crush on Candace as you start as you first meet start getting to know her. So you'll have to bear with us, mm-hmm. Candace, okay? Because okay. you know, I think I said something to you, I promise I think I said something to you, you know, after I heard your poetry and then I follow, and then I followed up on you and started following you on Instagram and things and getting to learn about you. And um And the different talents and gifts that you have that you use to help make people better and make the world better. Uh, I forget where it was we were talking about these things, and I told you that I had taken an acting class once, where the teacher taught us said that artists, actors, artists, creators, were the priest, or or are the priests of our culture. Uh-huh. And at the time, I wasn't really sure what he meant. I thought he maybe sees like you—you you try to see things in a in a bit of an involved but a bit of a detached way, to where you can look at things at all sides and actually see the um the depths of uh, how it's painted with with, with emotion. Uh, maybe it's fear, love, whatever. And we try to reflect on that and do the best. Or I say we—I'm not—I don't consider myself an artist, but. Um, the artist try to reflect on what you see going on in society try to interpret it discern it and and can often through your work whether it's art uh, you know painting or poetry or literature or music can often help us find a way to to understand or unravel things that confuse us and uh, and help give us a some Some light, some guidance, or feel like we're not alone, and we're we we do not have to be afraid. I feel like we're the only ones feeling this, thinking this, uh so when you write poetry or when you paint do you do people tell you you know you you wrote about me, you painted me, that's what I was feeling, Candace.
2: yeah, all the time. I think that's one of my specialties, and I think it helped me a lot in the corporate world as well, is being able to draw the emotion out of things. Uh, I feel like sales are emotional, you know. So in the Mm -hmm. corporate realm, it's kind of like, well, this is what you have for sale. This is what the person is. And then you just kind of gravitate, well, what is going to make that person emotionally connected to the product? But then, when it comes to the um, the standard poetry, the literature world, it's like, all right, how am I feeling? Okay, well then, how can someone outside of me feel this? And sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's just straight up. This is just where I'm at, and I just kind of throw it out there, and and you know, people like it, like it or they don't. But I think with Dying in My Timeline, for example, that was the time where I said, all right, how can I get people to see and to feel what this feels like um, from this side? So there's about 50 different angles to this one situation, but from this angle that is mine, um, how can I get other people to see it and to feel it? And so the writing process is different. Um, than it is when I'm just completely just expressing myself.
0: Um, I um, uh, I knew James Dickey, who was not my favorite poet or my favorite person at all, (laughs) but he met with um, Robert Lowell, who is one of my favorite people and favorite poets, and um, he once said that writing poetry is finding out something that you didn't know that you knew. And even though you know what you're saying and you know that you're expressing yourself, uh, when when I was uh, deeply in the poetry, I would once in a while stumble on a line that says, uh, it's like an, a eureka moment where I say, oh, I, I didn't know that. I didn't even know that about myself. Uh, and... Do you uh, what what kind of um, what kind of things do you feel like you realize uh, when you're writing, or or when you're or when you're doing anything, your art, or uh, uh, I like the way that you uh, have an artistic uh, bent toward uh, toward the business world because most people don't have that. At all, or uh, mm-hmm. most people—most people that are successful in business—don't even have have moments where there's absolutely no compassion at all, or or any thought about anything except, will this sell? You know, how do I sell it? And um, I uh, I wondered how uh, what it, in other words, what what is your creative process, how do you get started? And what goes what goes through your mind as you as you realize what you're doing?
2: Uh, sometimes it's beyond me and mm-hmm. like it's it's not a choice of mine. It's something that just has to happen. Exactly. So this is actually a story that I was gonna tell on the show anyway, um, about how the book even came together. And mm-hmm. so as I said, it, it took me a while to be able to just write and write comfortably. And I was probably in my late 20s when I really was just, just writing, 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 writing. I think I even had a the first chapter of a novel um, that I wrote, and it was very, <laughs> very sexual, very dark. Um, and, you know, I actually gave it to my mom to read and she loved it. And she says, where is chapter two? I love it. I love it. I love it. And I, <laughs> for some reason, I think I, I just kind of paused on that, but I, I saved it and I saved a bunch of poetry over the years. And I use a tool called Google keep. And that's whenever I'm writing grocery lists or anything, I put it all in there and it helps yeah. because when it's all time to, uh, when it's time to put it all together, I can all find it all in And, you know, it's been good to me. But anyway, so when I wrote Dying in My Timeline, I decided, all right, I'm going to put a book together. I keep in mind that January, all that happened around, like, June. But that January of 2016, I said, I'm going to write a book by the end of the year. That's what's going to happen. But I didn't put a plan in place. I just said, this is what's going to happen. Well, anyway, once that uh, Dying in My Timeline hit and I... A lot of, I got a lot of um, traction in the UK. So once all those people um, started loving it, I just kind of got really inspired, and I said, you know what, let me let me just put this together. And then once I opened up like old Google Drive accounts and things like that, I found so much poetry, and I said I have enough for a book. And so I put the book together. <laughs> you know, I went a lot of those poems in there. They're old, you know. Um, there's only probably about three or four that are, are fresh. And so what I did was I, um, I put the book together. I got some great software and I got, um, a lot of help from my husband on putting it together as a graphic designer. So I got all that together and then I was going to paint my own, um, cover, I had the whole concept down and then I said, all right, I'm going to draw it out and I'm going to paint it uh, with oil pastels and then just scan it and turn it into a cover. And so what would happen is every time I sat down to paint or to draw out and plot out my concept, my hand would just start writing and I'd just start writing <laughs> and like the words would just be in my head and over and over and over. And I would just, and it was the most painful stuff. And it just kept happening, kept happening. And I told him, I said, look, I can't. I just can't. Um, I can't do this cover. And I got to do this poem. And he said, okay. So he picked it up, I mean, up from where I was, and he finished the concept and did it. But while that was happening, I was writing. And keep in mind, prior to me writing, having this situation where I'm writing this poem, I was so excited about this book. I was ready to go. I had the whole plan out, you know, the marketing plan. I was going to go like this. I was going to go like that. And let me tell you, that poem that I was writing, it took me like three days to write it because I was just crying the whole time and had to give myself. I know how that,
0: oh, I know how that is. And
2: um, <sighs> so I just was like, man, you know, and then I, once I put it together, I just... And I bawled and I bawled and I bawled. And what the poem was about is essentially tying together instances of um, sexual abuse and rape that I've had through my life that I pretty much just, you know, said, oh, I'm fine. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't. What happened was it's almost as if spirit was like, you know what? you got to address this and you got to get this out because you never know who you can help, but also you have to heal from it. And just pushing it to the side and staying busy and distracted doesn't heal anything. And so once I put that together, I put the book together, and got everything just right. And um, it was just even more difficult because these are things that I've never said out loud. And so being writing it and then putting it out there was even so scary for me. It's such an emotional thing. And honestly, the whole process threw me into a depression. <laughs> so when I say it was a <laughs> huge deal for me to even show up to read, it was uh-huh. such a big deal because all the plans that I had for promoting my book, I, it just went away because I was just, you know, it's almost like reliving it re-experiencing so many incidents all at one time. You know, things that you Mm -hmm. forget about or that you put to the side, and having to experience that all at once, and then work on healing from that. And it took me a while to get back in the groove of my regular life. I don't even know what that is. (laughs) (laughs) Because my
1: For us tonight. And I also wanted to say, if you're listening live still with us, and uh, thank you so much. Um, If you're listening live, you you see why I was so excited about having Candace D. Henry here with us tonight on Madam Perry Salon. And if you want to talk with Candace, you want to call in, the number is 646 716 9922. And we'll be happy to have you call us because, Candace, we have someone else calling in right now. Welcome to Madam Perry Salon. Here with Candace Henry, how are you? Hey, it's me, Sandra. Hey, Sandy. Hey, Sandra. <laughs> Sandy... hey, Sandra. I'm really been enjoy... Oh, great. I'm great. The show is wonderful. I love the paintings, they're so vibrant. And the poems that help people with um, trauma is a wonderful idea. I can't wait to read the book. Oh, yes. Like and, uh, everything I'm... but a smile. Sandy, Sandy Which, is an artist as,
0: as well. Uh, uh, she's always been very good. She uh, she has studied, and and she has uh, an approach to art that's like nobody else I've ever known, and I've known her a long, long time. Welcome, Sandy. Thank you.
1: Um, yeah, these are beautiful pictures. They are. Um, Oh, go ahead, Sandy. Oh, oh, I I can't wait to hear Candace read her read some of her poetry. I sure. want to ask one I question know.
0: before before you read, Candice. Um, I I used to uh, read poetry. I was, in fact, I was forced to read poetry when I was in school. And when I was in school in Alabama, I was ordered not to act. I could not stand on the stage and act. While I was studying poetry, and I noticed that when I got up to read one of those poems, like you were talking about, that just makes you uh, just so. I I think that's what makes you feel like this must be good somewhere. Is when you get emotionally involved in in a work like that. And I noticed that I had to act my way through it to keep from breaking up as I read.
2: have
0: you ever uh, had a problem with that? Yeah, uh, you, were, uh, this, you know, because you were
2: saying this gonna be the first time you Yeah, this yes. is going to be the first time I'm reading this outside of uh, my bedroom, and oh, I've okay. only tried. I've only not tried one time mm-hmm. um, oh. during that, and that's mainly because I had the right combination of uh, wine and. Yeah. right Balance. Okay.
1: Well, if if you're ready, if you're ready, tell us what you're going to read. Then then uh, we will, we are honored and we will. Sit so here, be quiet, and listen.
2: Okay. Well, this poem is called "The Information." <laughs> I was staying up late when I got the information at a sleepover years before PlayStation. After watching reruns of Mr. Turned the dial, sat back down, looked around and got the information. My briefing was, my debriefing was everlasting. Children like me, different methods of teaching. I was always speaking. Excuse me. I was never speaking, afraid to tell. So I passed on the information, but they already knew, told me what to do. A child's mind, now believing everybody was tuned into the station. I almost forgot. Years passed. My first teacher gave me more information. A child, still seven years older, hormones on 10, consumed by this new dissertation. Wrestling with a scowl on my face, thoughts like scattering ants, unable to concentrate in actual school, my whole life forever changed from the first lesson. Confused from the start, going with the flow. Guilt for playing my part, always told these lessons had to do with the heart. Older, sick of being taught and led, fought for my own sexuality instead. Overexposing before they took my clothes off, always winning the draw, even if I never wanted it at all. All grown, no more teachers, staying protected from my peers, laughing at weak performances, some not in my league, experience. they never got the childhood information. Had a change of heart, protecting it. Not so easy to part. Here comes another debriefing. You aren't in control. Don't play me. Don't Don't play me with that good girl role. I know who you are. You fucked my homie in his car. Daggers inside me, licking my wounds. Apparently keeping my legs closed wasn't safe. My sexuality is someone's to take. I never wanted that lesson. The first one, the second one, any of them, or the race. I thought it was mine to share when I felt like it. I did my time, owned it. No one can fuck with it. It's mine. Death consumed me. If anyone can take it, what's the point of having a will? A will to live, a will to give, a will to love, always ready to die. I reached out for help, never explained myself, thought no one would believe me. Because I was too free, because I owned my sexuality, because I had the information. I kept it to myself, stayed in my dorm, cared less about my hair, hygiene, and the norm. Equations collapsed and slithered off the paper, misguided essays, research out of touch, scattered ants joined by termites eating away at my life, unable to tell, friend from foe. Money was the only thing that made sense to me until it didn't. Groups, medicine and doctors, looking at us, old me, new me, sick me, denying the informed me, denying it ever happened, calling it a fucked up situation, a horrible sexual experience, never using the word rape until it was seven years too late. I blame my first teacher. Mixed emotions filled my mind's features. Underneath them, a girl shivers by the cold haunting of her lessons. Psychically screaming at her first teacher. I know who gave you the information. Someone taught you too. Pity and shame for all of you. Memory splashed, tears fall, rocking back and forth, mourning the me before I knew, swearing to protect my child from the information. Always around those I trust. Five years old, worked too far away, two to three hours of traffic, needing after-school care, picked her up, and to my disgust, a student gave her the information. The Internet was his tactic, followed up by reenactment. Groups even, after school care, no one caring, no one watching. The information changed her brain, stole her memories prior, locked herself away. She can't remember the good times, good people, or information received before her debriefing. In counseling, I thought she was faking, yelling for her to wake up, wanting to fix it, scrub her soul clean, being reminded that she is a person and not a machine. I remember all the fun times we had, her sister, a constant reminder, a new life, a new reflection of what she used to be, confident and so sure. Nothing could stop her, always wanting to learn and explore. Since then, insecure, unsure, second-guessing, a shell of what she was before. I fought to be what I am today, a beacon of light with no qualms to play, anyone or anything who disrupts our way. Conquering without blood, more than existing beyond the pain and emptiness, resisting the ease of being anything less, high above the thoughts and expectations of others, continuously discovering and being my true authentic self. I work with her every day to lift her up so that she may transcend negative ideas, doubts, and inconsistencies in the love of herself, hoping she never knows what it's like to want to end her life. Ever watching, Always believing, wondering if memories have crept in, or are they lurking? I am. I want to be there when she wakes, from the forgetful slumber her mind created to keep her safe, just to console her, guide her, throw her down, go down my coat, over puddles of shame in the curriculum to avoid the messes I have made, sharing my mistakes, lessons from the side effects of the information I have received. If I was given this information to one day save a life, especially the one, the lives I created, so be it. And that's the information.
1: That's incredible.
2: That's
1: great.
0: Wow. Yeah, that's great. This is what I wish I had a commercial to go to. I think I'll for for messaging. Yeah.
1: And, uh, Candice, this Candace is said. autobiographical? Yeah, it's, confess- it's confessional. This is this your truth? Yes. Yeah. I'm this sure is where when you... Go ahead, Sandy. I, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to it because it's very powerful. Mm-hmm. 'Cause I was thinking when and, and the part we're talking about your child and, and um uh, Teresa, your true authentic self. Um putting a coat over puddles of shame. And you know, I'm thinking about when how sometimes people may seem to have the same experiences and for for so many different variables and reasons their lives go different ways because of it, or in spite of it, uh like Truman Capote said when he interviewed the guys uh for the book uh the criminals the murders for his book in in Cold blood and somebody' he told somebody it's like we grew up in the same house, but we left through separate doors, you know mm-hmm. because that's how how I felt in a lot of situations in my life, I like, was like, okay we Went through, I'll see things about somebody, that's what I think, you know, it's like we were raised, we did the same thing. I had the same rage, but I somehow managed to take a different door out of it. But I think how could, when somebody goes through so much, uh, the betrayal, uh, pain, betrayal, and rape, prejudice, you know, abuse, physical and emotional abuse, psychic abuse, and then come later in life to... Put so much energy and effort into being everything you can be, and and coaching and helping other people through expression. I don't know uh, if that's come through will, will you just personal will and strength, or do you just will yourself to do it?
2: Um, I like to say that it's two things. Um, one is just a uh, I I just feel like I need to express and accomplish, you know, and not in the traditional sense. And I never felt like the traditional um, pillars of success were what I wanted, you know, or what I really wanted to pursue. But on the other hand, it's also I feel like I'm very much spiritually led. So just like – um how this poem got written there's other things that happened in my life that it just it feels like I'm pulled toward them I'm pulled to be in certain places I'm pulled to go to certain things and when I look and I pay attention I can trace back single incidents that were the catalyst for things that are just so amazing and then I can look back and say wow I really just kind of led in this direction. And this is beyond me, this is a very spiritual situation, like how I even um have expanded on my spiritual abilities and my my work um my healing work. I can trace mm-hmm. that back to the one to one specific day, one specific person, and that person just realized that they were the catalyst for all that recently. And I it's and so that's what I find so amazing about life is that if you just stop and pay attention you'll see that you're you're not doing it alone. There are other forces at work to guide you in the direction that you're going if you allow it. Whenever we fight against these things, that's when bad things happen or not, I can even sit there and say bad things, questionable things <laughs> happen. But even then, when those things happen, like, you uh, can look bad at the moment, but then when you look at it from a further distance, then you can say, wow, this happened because of this, this, this. Oh, I'm so glad this, this thing happened to me because of this, 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 and this. And so there's a, a image that I put on Instagram recently that said that um, people who are sent to Earth to be healers um, have usually experienced a great deal of abuse and trauma and horrific things in their life because how can you help somebody when you don't have the experience of coming out of it you know Mhm. Mm, yes,
1: yes. yes
0: okay that and, um,
1: makes sense that. and
0: uh, Jennifer uh, uh, and Candice you, you touched on this and it's in what you just said you you can't will yourself to write a poem. it tells you that it needs to be written. The poem itself tells you it's like going down a uh being led uh down a dark alley uncontrollably you're being pulled into a dark alley and you and you're Having to bring light into it, and and it it tells you, and it it takes you places that you don't know at first. That's where you're going, and then you go back and you say, "That's where, that's where I found this. That's who led me down here. That's how I got here." And exactly, uh, and it. Uh, if you don't approach it that way, uh, you're forcing yourself, and you can't force you. You can't force poetry. And uh, I don't know if you've had any uh, formal training in poetry. Uh, nobody has to to be a poet, but uh, I was wondering if you had attended any workshops or if you. Uh, studied poetry in school or if you had any favorite poets or what's your experience Um,
2: I didn't do anything beyond your standard English class you know (laughs) as far as my favorite poet um, is uh, well let me say my favorite poem is Sylvester's Dying Bed by um, Langston Hughes uh, uh um it's a it's a beautiful poem about death about um a man dying and when he's on his deathbed he's got the most all the beautiful women that loved him around him and that's always been my favorite poem Since I was in middle school I don't even know now that I'm thinking about it I'm like why was that my favorite poem in middle school <laughs> but it's <laughs> um, I just love the way it's written. It's written in uh, a way that people spoke at that time. Um, Mm -hmm. It's not written in your standard English. It's It has a lot of slang in it, you know, of that time period. And so it's just rich with emotion and, and love, and it's just this man is surrounded by love. You know, it didn't matter... What was going on with the women that nobody ever talks about that in the poem? But you recognize that he is surrounded
1: by love. Hmm. Uh, oh, beautiful. Okay, now I've got to read that poem. <laughs> I'm gonna be looking that up next. Um, Again, if you're just one last time. If we've only got about eight minutes left with Candice D. Henry here and Madame Perry Salon and I am so glad to have uh Sandy and Duffy in here joining us too in the conversation. Um so well, we've got a few minutes left, Candace, and uh I would like to ask you about oh and if so you got seven minutes left to call us the number 716 Uh could we and Remember, the book is Everything But a Smile, and I'm also going to have information on how to uh, find all of Candice T. Henry's social media on Madam Perry Salon's Facebook page, and I'll share it on Twitter and Instagram and everywhere so that you can find her. But one thing, can I ask you about something else? It's a little different direction uh, sure. since we're shoulder on time. But tell me, what is Cloud 9.5? Oh, Cloud 9.5?
2: Um that yeah. is my Yeah, it's it's my metaphysical company. Um, it's where I do my healing work and I make my healing products. So I do um I do readings with people. So if anyone wanted me to read you. Um and I don't like to consider When I say readings like uh tarot readings, but I'm not giving people lottery numbers. It's more of a healing situation. <laughs> so we really do <laughs> to that. It get down to, to the core soul of, of what's going on, and so um, that's one of the things that we do at Cloud Nine Point Five. I have a retreat coming up in May, May twenty through the twenty-sixth in um, Portland, Jamaica, and it's, it's called Ready for Love. It's a love retreat, uh, just about just about self love and you know letting go of past and and kind of manifesting what it is you you want out of love. But um, I also make custom incenses. I've always been into herbs and things like that. I grew up in a household that was very much about natural healing. And, you know, we always had reference books and um, herbs around the house. So it's just something I've always been into, and I'm very drawn to plants. And so um, I make incenses based on intention. So if I have... One, the first one I made was called Ready for Love And so I got herbs together that represent the positive things about love um, And then I, it smells amazing, but I didn't make it for the smell I made it for um, the intention And it, it's really a, it's a meditation instance, that's what I call it So when you're meditating, it's something that you want to burn While you're meditating on your thoughts and your desires for love and I have another one called Currency, which is pretty much does the same thing, but from the money perspective.
1: I, I bet and so I want to say – go ahead, Sandy. Oh, I'm I, i I'm sure they smell wonderful. Oh, mm, thanks. Mm-hmm. Well, I know I want to find out soon. Uh, so, also, if you go to com you can find out uh, how you could book her as a speaker. She is, she is, and I can tell you this highly sought after as a speaker. And uh, that's what I wanted to get to as well with nine point five. Was that and the workshops that you lead um, in entrepreneurship and tell us a little bit more about the uh, the Ready for Love trip to Jamaica or oh so <laughs> like Ready for Love trip? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Well, yeah,
2: it's has ready for love trips. So it's uh, May 20th through the 26th, and it's in Portland, Jamaica. And Portland, Jamaica is not like any other part of Jamaica. Mainly be it's not what you see on TV at all. It's a very natural place. So if you like ecotourism, if you like water, this is where you should be. So it's got um, waterfalls, it's got rivers, and it's got plenty of beaches, and it's a very natural place. It's not commercialized like other places. And so, uh, and there's a rainforest here. So it's uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful place. And so the point of it was, I people have always come to me for their love concerns or advice, like since I was a kid. And um, I, there's patterns that I've just noticed over the years, and a lot of those patterns they just don't change. It doesn't matter like male to female, what demographic, age. A lot of these things are just kind of the same. And so what we're doing here is um, we are working on facing what, what you feel love is, your past influences of love, and that could be previous relationships or your own childhood. Um, getting down to the bottom of that and then cutting those cords if necessary. Uh, next would be really kind of drilling down to what it is you really, really, really want. You know, not what society thinks you should have, but what do you really want out of a partner and then we work on manifesting that. And then from there we talk about intuition, um, intuitive loving, like you know, things that can help you use your intuition in your in your love life to make it uh, a better love life for you. And so every day during this retreat we um we touch water. We either we're at a waterfall, we're at a beach, um, we're at the river rafting. Not rafting as in like, you know, white water rafting of your sport. This is just like a laid-back raft. It's like a bamboo raft that you just kind of laid back on just checking out the scenery. You know, the rainforest is just all around you. And the beautiful part about it is there's no snakes. Uh, there's no big cats or no monkeys. So it's not anything to be worried about So <laughs> <by laughs> you think rainforest. So it's it's a beautiful experience. Um, it's just full of love and it's it's going to be a great, great time.
1: What do you think of that Sandy? No it sounds heavenly to me. Oh <laughs> it we do bright. have
2: art we we have art involved and writing involved in this retreat as well. So um it's gonna be extra yummy because you're gonna be able to really get into your um your creativity. You know, it's always about
1: creativity. Do you have a web page or something with all this information about the um
2: the retreat or the um event? Yeah, um I do. It's, um cloud nine, so it's C L O U D, the number nine, P O I N T the number five dot com, and that's the website. Um, cloud nine point five dot com. And then you'll see on the menu, uh, there's something that says retreats. And you just right underneath that it says ready for love retreat and i will just take you through the whole process and um, the itinerary is there, like what we're gonna be doing every day. So it's it's a great, great, great time.
1: Wow, it sounds really fun. Mm-hmm. I know. I've never been to Jamaica at all anyway, so this sounds sounds it sounds delish. Um Candace, I'm so sorry we're out of time. I don't know about you, but to me this seems to have just flown by. Yes. But it's just been an absolute pleasure to have you here. I am so grateful, and I put out a message thanking uh, Colin Kelly and Susan Vagno for creating the event where I got to actually hear you in person and meet you. And I'm just so thankful that you've been so generous with your time and your story and your art with us tonight. Thank you so very much for being here. And Sandy? and Duffy thank you for joining us and everyone listening go to uh I'll have all of Candace's information so you can find her and uh you'll be a fan for life like like all of us here are right guys
0: thank you That's right and and let me say quickly that uh this is the first time first time uh on the show that someone has brought us all into a moment of stunned silence after you read that yeah. poem, there was this moment of wonder that just that just that never happens never happens like that on the show. And thank you
1: so much for being here. Well, I know, and I, I having... unmuted bikes, and you still you still didn't hear us after I unmuted <laughs> our microphones. But anyway, Candace, uh, uh, you're absolute joy and treasure to us all, and thank you so very much. And I love you all, and don't forget, everybody's got to swing, folks. Yama Jar and Papa sings and everybody's got the flames. But mom and pop were right on time, they helped up all your nursery rides. When you started off your dream, I'm a chance that you voting. Mother Singh With the Lucky Landslides, you can get lucky just about anywhere.